three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, tonight an extremely special guest is on the show. I've known this individual for over 40 years. Our dads actually worked at the same company. We went to the same schools together and we share some very common interests and all these years later, here we are, we're going to be talking about them. More specifically, we're both huge soccer fans, uh, EPL to be specific, uh, as well as F1 racing fans, uh, and he's also an amazing, uh, avid fan of music, good music. He's actually got good taste in music, which is a, a trait that's becoming more and more scarce as time goes on. Um, and he's also a very big bicycle enthusiast, um, and on top of that, he's smart, He's funny. He's got a great personality. So obviously I had to have him on the show. So without any further ado, please give a warm, no outlet welcome to Mr. Scott Gamester. Hey, Scott. Jeez, Ethan, I fell through the whole time. I thought you were talking about, I thought you had somebody else on the call. <laughs> let, let me patch them in. <laughs> yeah, bring them in. And then you can do my introduction second. Thank you. All right. So we're going to play a game called 20 Questions. And the game always starts in the exact same place, and that's question number one. Question one, in your expert opinion, how many times should somebody break their collarbone before they're considered a true bicyclist? <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's some deep research as usual, and what I appreciate about your podcast. So um, I believe, so famously, gamesters have weak collarbones. Um, my my nephews, my brother, uh, an astounding number of people have broken my collarbone. I have broken my left collarbone four times. Oh, my God. And my right collarbone only once. Um, and I have two metal plates in both of my metal plates in both of them. So I would say more than three. And you're, you know, you're in the proper collarbone territory in my mind. Wow. And, and let me tell you something. If anybody would know that number, it's you. I'm trying. So, all right, not to get gory, but did you have that plate in there? before one of the four breaks on your on your left side? No, the plate came on the fourth one. Okay. And then I broke my right one and got a plate on that. But my doctor said, hey, by the way, next time your shoulder shatters. Whoa. <laughs> your collarbone will break your shoulder well. So uh, we're, we're, we're going a little easier now and being a little more careful. There you go. There you go. Um, okay. So what bike do you ride now? Uh, I mean, how much time do you have? Uh, this is, you know, I know this is a time limited <laughs> podcast. I, I have uh, all kinds of bikes. The bike I'm riding the most now is yes. I have a commuter bike. I used to commute every day, uh, but since I work in Europe now for a European company, I don't get to ride my bike there. Right. Um, but I, uh, I ride my commuter bike that I put some kind of, uh, it's like they call them now gravel tires. But I actually have, ooh, I think five or six bikes. But hopefully Whoa. my wife will never listen to this because I've told her I've only had two. <laughs> So she doesn't go to the garage, so that's good news. Okay. We don't have to go into extreme amounts of detail, but five or six bikes. And are we talking, are these like the the, the bikes that cost like 2000 and up? Is that the range of bikes we're talking no, about? No. I think my most expensive, you know, road bikes can go for 10000 20000 My road right. bike is 1500 Okay. But okay. I have a road, road mountain, uh, commuter bike. I have a winter bike. Um, that has studded snow tires on it when I used to ride in the winter. Oh, and then I also have now an e-bike that I picked up along the way. So I guess, yeah, five. That's awesome. I really do love, I mean, riding a bike is so freeing. It's like, it's one of the coolest feelings because you're powering yourself, you're moving forward, 
you got control, you know, and there's a little bit of danger there. You know what I mean? Like you, you could yep. fall and uh, there's all kinds of things to pay attention to, but you're almost the closest you can get to just being, I don't want to say free, but it's like, it, it, there's a feeling of freedom that's associated well, you, with, with riding a bike. You remember, and first of all, it's impossible to ride a bike and not smile, but you remember I agree. taking a right out of your house yep. to go, what, the one mile down to Cumbies when you were a kid and how yep. much freedom you had? Oh, my God. Right? You remember that. Jolly and Ranchers. Well, you feel every time you get on a bike now, that's, right? That's right. Um, all right. So let, let's let's talk about that. So you were a commuter. You rode your bike doing your part yep. to save the planet. What's the worst driving habit in relation to keeping bikers safe while you're trying to share the road? Because some people are very aware and some people are not aware at all. But, like, what have you seen that's, like, the most dangerous and worst driving habit? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to skip that and just tell you a funny story. I, I, I bike commuted into Hartford. I bike commuted into Hartford for a really long time. Right? And people would always say, Hartford must be so horrible because it's, you know, it's, you know, it's a tough city. Um, I always found that the, the suburban people were way worse than the city people. But I was coming home on a Friday afternoon one time, and this guy pulled – I was turning left, and this guy pulled up in the straight lane next to me in a convertible with him and his girlfriend. And he looked at me, and I mean, he was as high as a kite. Oh, Jesus. And he looked at me, and he goes, you know, my girlfriend said I should reach out and grab your ass. And I looked at him, and I said, well, I do have a fantastic ass. <laughs> And we both cracked up and then went on our ways. That's, uh... <laughs> so I didn't have many. Um, you know, I just find that, you know, don't be a jerk is a good thing on a bike. And likewise, just somebody's being a jerk and pull over. There you right? go. Let them go do their thing. Right. Right. Because if they if they want to be uh, an absent-minded jerk, you're never going to win that because. Yeah. Bike, yeah. It's not. Bikes you got to have your head on a swivel. <clears throat> yeah. Head on a swivel. I like that. Okay. So another opinion question for somebody who is. Uh, aware of biking as a sport lance armstrong is he a misunderstood and framed biking hero or is he a complete fraud and total liar i mean it's the second one yeah. right so my wife and i were huge lance armstrong fans they were always like why can he right Remember why can one? he go when nobody else can go why are all these people made of paper in fact my wife made a career of making fun of cadell evans right <laughs> Um, who could never, ever climb at the moment of truth. And she always thought he was just weak. It turns out he was just not a doper. Right. Right. So, I mean, hard, hard fall for grace for us. But, yeah, he's it, it's that. Ironically, if you're still watch the tour, his podcast now about the Tour de France is fantastic. Really? It's him and George and a couple of other folks. It's really, really, really good. My wife listens to it, and she's gotten me into it, believe it or not. Well, I mean, you mentioned you guys were, were fans, and I think there was a – a period of time, remember those yellow bracelets at like yep. early two thousands, I think it was, um, I think it was a just do it or I forget what it was. Live, but strong. It was, Live strong. Live strong. Thank you. Live strong. Yep. And it was all about uh, cancer awareness. Right. And every goddamn person on the planet earth had one of those on their wrist. And then overnight you never saw one. And I, and yeah. I haven't seen a yellow live strong bracelet in, I don't know, 15 years, maybe, maybe a little bit less than that, but talk about a fall from grace, like everything just right out the window. Unbelievable. And, so, yeah. and you know, he fought so hard against it. And like, he, he was also really nasty. To, I mean, there's a long, I've, I've watched a ton of stuff on this, yeah. um, a ton of 
and read books and all of that. And I didn't want to believe it because he was so awesome. But and what's sad about it is, you know, it's not that, you know, it's that to compete in any way, you have to do it then. So it forces everybody to do it. Right. Or you just won't won't compete. So it's not really fair. Do you remember that movie Breaking Away? I do, but I haven't seen it in a long, long time. The one thing I, I – it was one of the few tapes that we had on uh, VCR back in the day at my house. So I watched it a bunch of times. And I remember just how heartbreaking it was when he finally met his heroes, which were the Italian racers. And they just fucked with him the whole time. They, like, put the spoke in his tire and they – you know. <laughs> and it was just like he had them built up to be these gods and, like, superior beings. And they were just total assholes and they could give a shit. Um, yep. so it's, it's, it's interesting that Lance, all those years later, Lance had some of that in him too. So let's talk about doping for a second real quick. So obviously, sure. you know, uh, doping is, is not allowed and many people have done it. And now there's some controversy about like, you know, electric components and bikes and shit like that. Unproven, but, but they're out there, but let's go back to doping. Do you think that with a sport like biking, right? Cause you can't take anything away. Even without doping, he is an amazing athlete, period. He is. Oh, yeah. Right? So I, I wonder if it's not just better to say, okay, biking, everyone can dope. You want to dope? Go ahead and dope. Because it's all it's going to do is it's going to just elevate the sport a little bit. Or is it better to do what they're doing and saying, nope, it's not part of the sport. We don't want it. We want people to die in the hills. We want people to slow down and make the sport as true as it can be. Which one is the better path of the sport? Oh man, I mean, this is this depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to the the moral being that I am, mm-hmm. right, then I would say, you know, it, it doesn't. I said it before, right? It makes all the kids dope. This is the only way you can compete, and that's not fair. And then they start doing more dangerous and dangerous stuff. On the other hand, after they really cracked down, the Tour de France was incredibly boring for many, many, many years. Interesting, right? Because nobody, nobody could go. You're like, why doesn't anyone attack? because they're just humans and they, there's not that much variation. If, you, if you're one of the top five riders in the world, there's not that much variation in performance, right? right. Um, but, Seconds. you know, it's got, it's got to still be in the sport because, you know, you see it all the time. You, I broke my collarbone like four three or four times riding a bike. And, like, I could barely, you know, get into the car to go to the hospital. Mm. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm known in my family as the collarbone whisperer. Right, so we'll be watching the Tour de France. I'm like, the guy go down. I'm like, he broke his collarbone. So like, how do you know? I'm like, just it is. I can I can see it from a mile away. But then they'll get back on the bike and they'll climb another. You know, they'll climb for another forty miles. Right. Uh, so you wonder how you have that pain threshold. It's just it's it's next world. But it can't be there because it makes the kids all do it. Right. And the, and that damages them. So yep, no, that's fair. Have you noticed uh, how Pat Sajak has really gotten a terrible attitude with uh, contestants on the Wheel of Fortune lately? I am not a Wheel of Fortune, but do tell. Now I might watch it. Uh, the guy's become a total asshole. Like he has the, the think about the life this guy's had. Like all he all he has had to do all these years is sit there and let people spin a wheel. He do, he he knows all the answers, so it makes it seem like he's so smart. But he's got him right there. Him and Vanna, Cush, 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 Cush. And now he's at the end of his career, or he should be. And look, they get some, granted, that that show gets some stupid contestants. There's no doubt about that, right? And they should be, (laughs) they should be mocked and ridiculed, but that's what the internet is for. Pat Sajak is there to support and try to get them to feel good about it. 
And if you notice, and I know it sounds like you don't watch it, I don't watch it much no. either, but my girlfriend does every once in a while, I'll catch it. And he's he's got this real like hair across his ass, and he just wants to make sure when someone makes a mistake that he makes it hurt as much as it can hurt. And I just don't think there's a place for it. I, I think it's uncomfortable. I'm going to have to watch it now. Yeah. That, that, I'm going to have to watch it now. That 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 will be made to me into it. What but makes, what, that has to be the most mind-sucking job ever yeah. for me every day, right? Yeah, but every job is a little bit mind-sucking. Like, that's mind-sucking and easy, right? So imagine, because there are mind-sucking jobs that are hard. But yeah. you, are you saying mind-sucking about this like lowering the IQ of, of himself and, like, bringing him down? Is that what you mean? No, I mean, it's just, like, it's so – There's think about the Simpsons episode where they go to TGI McScratchy's on the <laughs> – on the itchy and scratchy island, the, it was the, um, the Jurassic Park. Yes. And they, and they and in the in the thing they say it's New Year's Eve every day, and she's like, it must be wonderful. And the guy's like, kill me, please. <laughs> I I think that's maybe what you're seeing with Pat Sajak. You know what? It could be it, like an endless loop of just stupid people and bad bad choices. Right. <laughs> what makes the uh, Premier League so great? Oh man, you know, so I am a. Uh, not a, uh, you know, I am actually known for not being a soccer fan for a really long time. Okay. Uh, but somewhere along the way, I realized that I really only like um, slow moving sports. I mean, I love hockey and I love football, but like, I, I'm a, I like cycling, Formula One, which is fast but slow. You know, a race takes a couple of hours. Sometimes if you're in Monaco, nobody ever passes, right? Yeah. Um, and I love baseball and I have forever. I even like sailing and I watch America's Cup from end to end. Um, but during, so, so first I had a friend who lived in London who really got me into a, a, a team of excellent, well-behaved uh, fans that are some of the best in the league, a Millwall fan. Sure. Right? Absolutely. So he grew up next to Millwall. And uh, so I started fans. saying, yeah, no, and that's a tough, tough, tough uh, crowd. That's yeah. the, uh, Bill Buford writes books about Millwall, right? So, yeah. the um, so I I then you know was in London for work a couple of years ago for an extended period of time, and a friend of mine said, "Hey, do you want to go see a Liverpool match?" And I said, "Well, I don't really know, I, but you know, I'm here, and who knows when I'm going to get back." So I went to see Liverpool at Crystal Palace, which was fantastic, right? Amazing. Um, so really had a great time. I was actually you know because he's trying to get me to be a Liverpool fan. I'm like, eh, I don't know. But once, uh, when uh, COVID hit and I was stuck at home, so I, I realized that I missed, uh, I missed baseball, and I miss baseball because it's the experience of baseball of watching or listening to a baseball game is, has gone so far downhill with all of the ads and all of the interruptions and all like, I I, I love the sound of the game. I love the 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 being able to paint a room and listen to a baseball game or drive from New Hampshire to Connecticut and listen to a baseball game end to end. But, it, but that experience was gone, and I started watching the Premier League. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is the experience that I want, right? The, the field is so green, and the announcers know when to be quiet. The fans cheer, and it's got that slow burn yes. that baseball has where you can kind of read a book and then look up and catch a play. Um, and I've really, really become that. As I start, I, I'm a Liverpool fan now, and I don't miss any of their games, but now um, I think I've admitted to you over a text i'm a i'm a spurs fan spurs is my second team yep um and i believe that son the you know the forward the striker son is actually my favorite player in the league Yunmin son. so yeah yep 
But, you know, if not, my, my, my English and Irish friends are, uh, Northern Ireland friends are not too happy with me for having two teams. That's not a thing. Um, but in America, Ameri- it is. And yeah, I, I actually gonna say it's an American thing. I was like, you're lucky we're watching it all. But I watch, like, I probably watch every single game. I get, like, the Peacock and I, I have Fox Soccer and I, I pretty much watch every game every week. And, yeah. You know, that's my, my, and, it, and the season lasts so long, even. Uh, it's right? great. It's great. They spread it yeah. out because they've got the Champions League and they've got the FA Cup yep. and they've got the Carabao Cup and they've got, you know, all the other leagues. And this year we've got the World Cup, which is going to be amazing I know. as well uh, in November. So do you have a, a favorite World Cup team? You know, I mean, I probably would say America just because I'm an American. Right. right. And, they, and um, they're finally in. Yep, they're finally in. So, I mean, we all know that the, the American women are 10 times better than the American men. They, I've actually, that's that's probably where I started again. Watching the American women uh, was just awesome. Yep. Um, I, I'd say maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but I think England might be my second, which is a horrible thing to say because they're going to lose to Germany at some point, right? It's right. just going to happen. I know. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited for the World Cup this year. Uh, you know, the, the last time I was excited for the World Cup was when it was here. It was here already years ago in Boston, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I lived in Boston at the time, so we got really excited about it. So I'm ready to go. Who are you rooting for? So I am, at, for the Premier League, I'm a huge Spurs fan. I only have one team. Yep. Um, and then for the World Cup, I'd, I, I too would love to see England win because, uh, A, there's a lot of Spurs players on the team. And I feel like they, yep. they came so close so close for the Euros, and and uh, yeah, they, did. they they just kind of fell down. But the team, I think, uh, it has a better chance to win, and I also would love to see win is Belgium. Uh, Belgium has got a lot of great players. I love the way they play, very attacking, very open. Um, sure. they, they score a lot of goals. And then also the, the last team I would look at is um, uh, the Netherlands. Holland is, uh, is always fun to watch, too. I like teams that have a personality. I like teams yeah. that attack. Like Italy was an amazing team to watch for the Euros because they just went after it every time. And um, you know, England doesn't exactly play that same style, but um, yeah. so it'd be England, Belgium, then Holland. Nice. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll, we'll definitely jaw it up over text, and we do have to get together for our game this this uh, this year. Absolutely. Uh, maybe that's the World Cup. Absolutely. I'll meet you halfway. Um, nice. So. You're here's here's you're a Liverpool fan and and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think they're one of no, there really isn't because they're not like they're not in the same class as like a Manchester City, which is just all the only success that club has had has been for all the money that was just poured in. Um, you could yeah. make a similar argument um, about Chelsea with Roman Abronsky coming in. You could make a similar argument about a lot of teams, but Liverpool has got a history. And their fan base is so rabid and so strong, and I just—it's got a different feel to it. And uh, I had a kid that grew up with my daughter, and he was his parents were from Liverpool, and they call themselves Scousers, uh, which yes. I, didn't, I didn't know. Yep. Uh, but he had that as his license plate, and I remember talking to his dad, and his dad was so passionate. So I, I, I love the Liverpool uh, fan base. But one thing that's interesting when when you think about. Jurgen Klopp, right? Isn't it odd to think that maybe his grandparents were Nazis or Nazi sympathizers? Yeah, yeah they were definitely not, right? <laughs> they were definitely they were definitely were somehow involved, right? Yeah, it is. It's but you know, uh, did I tell you I was over in um, what I think it was the 
you know, I, I lose track of the cups, right? There's so many, and I don't yeah. really know all the other ones. I think it's the Carabao Cup where they went, where Liverpool went to kicks against Chelsea. Yes. Do you remember that game? I do. Uh, a couple right. of years ago? No, this year. Uh, this this past year. Oh, oh I was the, actually yes. in. Oh, my God. That was the final of the, uh, I think that was the final of the FA Cup. Yes. Yes. So I was actually in Belfast, and I was, my hotel did not have, um, did not have the game on. So I was going to go to the, uh, like a slightly fancy pub and have like a Sunday afternoon, have a couple of pints because I had to work the next day and I was traveling for work. And I ran into these two dudes that were, they were like lads on me and they yelled out, Oi, nice beard. I have quite an ample beard. And uh, for those of you on the podcast, uh, not, not following along on the simulcast. Um, so, and, and I said, oh, I said, I said, Hey, I'm going to go find the Liverpool fan. You still there? Sketchy, Ethan. It was sketchy. It Hold was on, all you, Liverpool fans. Scott, you broke Sorry? up a little bit. We got to just go back. So oh. you you were telling the the people that were fans of your beard you wanted to find a game, and then you cut up for a second. Oh. Okay, so then they took me to the sketchiest, one of a very sketchy bar where okay. I got there, and I was like, okay, I could either get beaten up and have everything taken, or this is going to be the best night of my life. There you go. And I sat down and had a pint, and I had another pint. The game went on. The next thing I know, it's like, I'm, I'm like hugging people. We're singing songs. We're spilling beer all over the place. At the end of the game, I, I almost got knocked down. And then afterwards, I ended up going with a whole bunch of Liverpool fans to another bar. And I looked around. I realized I'm like, okay, everyone here is 25, right? You're <laughs> double their age. It's time to go home, old man. Uh, but it was such a great experience, Ethan. It was so it. much fun, right? So very fun. That's authentic right there. It really was. That's authentic. So one of the things I love about the Premier League and really the entire, uh, you know, England soccer uh, tiered system is the relegation and promotion, right? And for those sure. of you uh, in the studio audience here and those at home that don't know, there are 20 teams in the Premier League. And if you finish in the bottom three, you get relegated. You basically get kicked out of the league kicked down to the level below and you've got to fight your way to get promoted back up. And then the top three teams from the lower league come up. And what that does is it makes a, every single game matter. So there's no, there's never a reason to throw a game where in the NFL teams definitely tank to get better draft picks at the end of the year. There's all kinds of shenanigans because they can't get kicked out. They're in the NFL, but I love that relegation system. And my question to you is, don't you think they should add that into other aspects of life? Like, you know, if you make three bad movies in a row, that's it. You, you can't, <laughs> you, you're, you're out. If you're a, a politician and you lose a couple times, you can no longer run again. Like there should be some relegation component in a lot of different areas. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Oh my God. I got to think of a funny joke to say here, but I'm like seizing up on jokes. No, no. It's such an easy layup that you've given me. And I'm like, my mind is seized. All the jokes are stuck in like some part of my brain trying to get out like the three stooges. Um, but, but it is, it, 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 it definitely sharpens the focus. Right. I think that's the best part about it is yes. there's skin in the game for people. Right. And, Always. and you have, you have like this year, Fulham has come up. Like I think Fulham's doing really well. Right. Surprisingly, I think they've won. I think they tied Liverpool, which is insane. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple right? of teams so, have come up so, are doing all right. So it would be great to do like in the, like the NFL 
And, you know, what I, what we could do is like, maybe you do it a little differently. I, you know, maybe for like the Boston Bruins, right? If the Boston Bruins don't do well. Then they take away all the, re- the um, revenue for the concessions from Jeremy Jacobs. Because right? the Bruins and Celtics are really just a concessions play. Oh, totally. Right? They no, don't really not. care about, right? They really don't care about winning any games. They just going to jack the prices up $2 every year on the beer. Oh, my God. Right? So maybe that's what you do is you relegate the, if the team doesn't invest, you relegate some of the expensive stuff to somebody else or something that, you know, stuff like that. Best I can come up with. I like that. I like that. That's a great idea. And you know, it's so funny. You mentioned that the, you know, the, the Bruins and Celtics were a concession team because they're owned by, uh, or I think the Celtics are owned by Delaware North. Is that it? No, Delaware North owns the building. Yeah. And it's just, I think all- they own the Bruins and the Celtics are owned by Wick, uh, Wick Gross back. And yes, yeah. exactly. But it's yeah. all about how many beers can we sell? How much can we sell them for? Uh, it's crazy. It's brutal. Uh, here's a question. Does a stitch in time always save nine? Oh, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you know, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I, I started to come up with an answer. You know, I majored in political science, and, and, and so I can speak yeah. about any topic for five minutes. Yep, yep. And even longer if I know something about it. But, like, I don't even know what that means. What does it mean? So it, it it's kind of a stupid saying, which is why I started asking. I ask this question every once in a while. So a stitch in time. So let's say you have a jacket, right? And all of a sudden you notice that yep. the jacket is starting to come across. Like, it's coming apart a little bit. It's a little bit. But it's not a huge rip, but... If you do like a quick stitch and you close that up right then and there, when you start to see the problem, uh, then it saves nine stitches later because if you ignore that, the entire sleeve comes off and you're like, fuck, uh-oh. I got to do my whole jacket over again. So, so always, yes. Yeah, so here's why. Here's my example. My wife has a recurring nightmare, Okay. right, that there's a breakdown of social order or some type of zombie apocalypse. Literally a weekly conversation in my house. It hap- Yeah, um, I'm with you. And and we're leaving and we're rushing to get out and to, to avoid getting in a thing. And as we're walking through the house, I say to, I say to my wife, Hey, grab that mail right there. We can drop it on the mailbox. <laughs> because, you know, it only takes you 10, two seconds to pick up that mail and the mail's got to go out even, even then. Right. Why not be more efficient at it? So I am absolutely a believer of that to the annoyance of many of my family members. No, that's what that, listen, that's what dads are for. Yeah, dads, exactly. dads are there to, to, to take care of shit and be a little bit annoying. Um, okay, Absolutely. so let's talk about race cars, more specifically F1 race cars. Uh, F1, for those of you who don't know, Formula One is essentially the easiest way to describe it is it's Europe's version of uh, NASCAR. Now, there is an F1 race that usually happens in North America. Sometimes there's two. Uh, but for the most part, it's based in Europe. The driver's for the most part, are European-based. Uh, and there's there's some differences between the sports. Um, but I wanted to find out, as a starting point, who's your favorite race team and who's your favorite driver? Ooh, that's a tough-sided question. So first of all, for those of you who don't know at F1, it's actually Europeans being tougher than Americans is doesn't happen very often, yeah. uh, especially in sporting. But in this case, in F1, right, they drive in the rain. If it rains, they don't all go inside um, and hide until it stops raining. They, they put different tires on, have to figure out which ones to do. Yeah. If, they, if they, they only have so much fuel, if they press the gas too much, they run out of gas in the race, have to actually manage that all the way through, right? So it's, a, it's, it's awesome. So my favorite driver is, I always have more than one. And again, this is, this is me, right? 
My favorite driver is Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, I just think he's a super class act. You know, one of the greatest drivers ever. Just, you know, really admire him and his journey. My favorite team would definitely not be Mercedes because they're evil, man. Right? <laughs> and it's definitely not Red Bull. Yeah. Um, but, but beyond that, who is there? I, I don't – you know what I mean? There's literally – uh, I, I think it might be Ferrari, um, just for the for the pomp and the circumstance and the and the love of Ferrari, yep. and also because their their racing director has the best hair. Okay. Um, but they have no strategy and no tactics, and they manage to have one of the best cars this year, but still are losing everything. So I, I, maybe Ferrari. I don't know. How about McLaren? there's only two teams that are any good, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about who's got the best car, who's got the best drivers, and there's only yeah. a handful of people on the planet that can be a driver at that level. Um, I like McLaren because I, I've got a soft spot for uh, Ricardo or whatever his name is, the guy from Australia. Oh, uh, Daniel Ricardo. Yeah. Oh, man. Is that, is that a Netflix hangover with that one, buddy? Yes. I just feel like he he's just seems like the nicest guy, and he's trying hard, and he's got his buddy <laughs> is his manager, and he's like – but he's always 10th. He, I mean, once in oh. a while he'll podium, but usually he's 10th, and he's oh. just good enough to stay in the mix, but you know he's never going to be you know, a superstar. I he's think- almost kind of too old now. I do like Zach Brown too. Zach Brown is there. Uh, he's an American. He's there. I think or did he leave this year? Oh, is he? Um, he's our he's our sporting director. I okay. like him. But Ricardo is just Ricardo is just. I don't know, man. He's always five behind Norris, and if you're driving the same car and you're five or six behind somebody else, yeah, that's that's skill, right? That's skill, or you've got that little bit of fear, and you just don't want to die, and you're not quite pushing it to the limit. All right, so or you got the yips, right? Like. Chuck right. Knobloch, right? Chuck Knobloch, the yips, yeah. Oh yeah, fuck yeah! Knobloch had him big time. Couldn't th- couldn't throw to first for like a year or two. It was the best. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about one of the racers for a team that you mentioned that was not your favorite, Red Bull, um, and that's Mister Max Verstappen. Um, oh, at this point, do you think that he is incapable of like, let's say he had to go work a desk job. There's no way he could do that. Right. Like his adrenal system is probably either, you know, completely fried or it's next level, but that cat only is like happy going 200 miles an hour behind the wheel of one of the most finely engineered automobiles on the planet. And even then he's a total prick. Like he just, he, he can't get out of his own way. Like, Tell me what your thoughts are on Mr. Verstappen. Oh, my God. How much time do you have? Um, Plenty. So, first of all, I mean, incredibly gifted racer. And the, the machine and him are one at this point. And it's just, it is awesome to watch. Yep. Even though I despise him, right? Um, I am actually a big fan of Checo. Um, so, Sergio Perez, uh, he's a pride of Mexico. I didn't know this. And I worked for a company before where I went to our office in Mexico. And everybody loves Checo, right? So, he's a great driver. Yes. really like him. Max, I mean, you know, my so first of all, my wife is a huge Formula One fan, okay. and has watched watches it with me, and like she will be, like she'll say, "Hey, let's watch F One." We watch. She watches the. Um, she what we watch. We watch qualifying together, and she's actually like, "We watch the practices." I'm like, "Those are really boring." I mean, that's I got I got some standards, lady. Um, <laughs> but she is a Max Verstappen fan. Okay, and. The two of us, like the last three fights that we have, and we do not fight. I mean, I probably can count 
less than 20 times we've had fights in the many, many years that we've been married. That's pretty good. And the last three have been about Max Verstappen, <laughs> right? Because, you know, when he was younger, which was like last year and the year before, yeah. he, he would just come into a corner. He didn't care who was there. Oh, yeah. He, you know, he, he didn't have anything to lose. He'd be like, I'm coming in. If, you have, if you're going to stay in there, we're going to crash, and then we'll both lose, or you're going to back out. So it's a very uh, uh, zero-sum game or, or uh, you know, for him. Yeah. But he had it. He figured it out, right? So if I feel like he's getting a little bit nicer, maybe a little bit. Like, I don't I don't actually feel like I have to throw up every time he comes on the screen. But my goodness, he's he's next level. Yeah. And I mean, I, if, if they don't – I don't he, – he's like 10 times – Checo was a good driver on the same car, right? right? And it's just not even close. Not even close. Dude. I mean, truth be told, I, I, I didn't real. I, I, don't, I never watched NASCAR. I just don't watch it, and I Ugh. didn't really have an interest in F one until the Netflix series. And then it was like, okay, I'll, I'll check this out. One of my buddies said, "You really got to see it," and it gave me a whole new appreciation for the demands of being a driver. Like you think, oh. Driving a car, how hard can that be? It's not really a sport. That's bullshit. These guys have yeah. to be in peak physical and mental shape all the time. They sweat like, I don't know, 15 pounds of water every time they race. Like, Crazy. they have to maintain a level that's unbelievable. And I think where my brain goes with that is okay, any of those drivers, any of the 20 drivers, or yeah, I think there's 20 drivers, right? Yeah, any of the 20 drivers, uh, is it 20 or 10? No, there's 20. 20, yeah. 20 drivers. Any of those 20 drivers, they could probably go play, you know, a, a, a game of basketball, a game of football. They'd be able to go do other sports. But nobody that's a basketball player could drive an F1 vehicle. Nobody that is a soccer player yeah. could drive an F1 vehicle. It's a whole different skill set that you cannot reverse engineer, but you can take those skills and push them out um, and, and I wanted to get your feelings on, on the physical and mental demands of being an F1 racer. I mean, if you see some of the times when they're racing in like, you know, Riyadh, it's 110 degrees on the track, you know, there's no air conditioning right. in those cars, right? There's no, they do have chilled body suits. I think they go, they pump chilled water through them. Okay. Right. But that's cool. But still it's, you know, it's, they're driving a hundred miles. I mean, they're driving fast, but if you, what's funny is if you pay attention to, at the beginning of every race, they talk about the track, and they'll talk about how many turns there are, how many left and how many right, and how much time they spend at full throttle. Right. Right? So some of the tracks, they spend 75% of the things at full throttle, which if you've got enough, well, that's 204 miles an hour Wow. For some of these cars. And then to bring that in perfectly. And what's interesting is if you look at the difference between the drivers, we're, 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 we're talking about... You know, uh, you're talking about uh, Ricardo, right? Oh, he's horrible. I mean, he comes in, what, 20 seconds behind? Or right. 40 seconds behind? The, diff- the margin of error is so small. If you miss your mark, if you come in late, if you, like, start thinking about what time the uh, the Spurs game is on, right? Anyway. You missed your turn, right? And you've toasted your tire. So it's, like, this year they've there's had this problem with porpoising this year, right, where they've changed the ground effects and the cars are bouncing a lot. and oh, okay. And there was... A- actually worries that people were going to have um, CTE, like brain injuries from no it, because the car was bouncing so much. So it's, it's you know, it's absolutely brutal. There's a reason why Lewis Hamilton has a, has a coach. The, if you ever watch the, the series, there's a blonde woman that follows him around. Yep. She's his life coach. She's his, she's his like, performance coach about the mental wow. and physical part of it, right? And, 
And there is a, I don't know, I'll tell you one more story, but I can keep going for it. There was an article recently where someone said about Lewis, like he was, he was walking along being Lewis, preparing for races. She was behind him with all of the bags. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, look at what a jerk he is. He's making the woman carry the bags. She came on and she's like, no, no, this is my job. Like my job is to make him prepared to race. That's all right. I'm here for. Right. So it's a, it's a heck of a sport. I, I, I used to watch it when I was younger a lot. Yeah. And then I fell off because time, right. And you're, in your 20s and 30s and, and even into your 40s, you have less time to do stuff like that, That's right? sure, yeah. Uh, but the Netflix series brought it back. We watched it, and then my wife did like you did. She's, she loved it. We haven't even finished the latest season. I don't really care so much for the series. Yeah. I like the racing. But we're watching their current series now. So so if you, were, if you were going to describe the difference between NASCAR and, and F1, how would you how would you describe is it the fans the drivers the cars all right. the above like how what's the I mean answer? how how far does this audience go right like who can I offend right it's anybody question, you want right? yeah right so so I mean you know NASCAR is a lot more about skill right because the cars are almost all identical right the restrictions are almost all identical there's no real engineering lift right in right. in in NASCAR the engine in, in the amount of money that's poured into 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 F1 to you know get shave five grams off of this or reduce the coefficient of this, right? It's so much money. That's why only a few teams like Mercedes and Red Bull are up at the top because they put way more money in than everybody else. Right. Um, the tracks, you know, NASCAR is an oval, right? High-speed oval. They do do some, um, I think they do do some regular tracks in NASCAR. But, um, it, it, uh, but, but it's, you know, they're all twisty, turny, windy, up and down tracks with, off camber turns, the cars are radically different. Open wheel number one, yep. but you know, did you know those cars are? I think I don't know. I'm going to say this. I think there's six cylinders, right? NASCAR? They're only six cylinders. No, F1, um, F1, right? Mm. But there's turbos and all kinds of crazy stuff. And now they have this hybrid battery pack that actually the battery pack charges when they break. So that they can use that for, for extra power when it's overtaking. The technology is just totally different. Wild. Um, that said, you know, the NASCAR drivers are the NASCAR drivers are tough, right? And they're themselves, like they're probably gonna get in a fight somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, I've seen yeah. we've all seen Talladega Nights. That's what it's like, right? There you go. Um no billies. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your best time driving from Plymouth State College to Gillies back and forth? Oh, I don't actually think that I have a time for that. I'm not oh, sure yeah, I ever you did. do. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, you were. Oh, 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 oh. yes, so, you do, my friend. Uh, oh, so I did it with you then. That's right. Me, Your memory is incredible. Oh, dude. it's a curse. Me, uh, Mr. Moulton, and Mr. Connor, I believe, wow. were the four. If not, it might have been Van Wagner in there someplace. And oh. all of a sudden, you were like, we can make it. We can still make it. And I want to say it was like 1130 and you're like, yeah. we can be back before three if we go right now. Cause it's like an hour and a half and you had, yeah, I want part. to say you had a GTI, a Volkswagen GTI, a white one. It was maybe? a regular golf, but I did. Yep. A golf. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. And damn it, it. Going down was so much fun. We had the tunes blaring. We're drinking. We get down there. And sure enough, we we get our gillies. Then we stopped by UNH on the way back and saw we went to one of the, I think it was actually uh, Jim Delaney's 
uh, fraternity. We went and had wow, a couple yeah. of beers there. And then we scooted all the way back to Plymouth, and we were all awake for the whole thing. And I think round trip, even with that UNH stop, I think round trip was like three hours and 20 minutes, which is pretty, wow. pretty good. It's pretty good. So I've I've done the Cannonball Run. I've never done it from from Connecticut, which is where I live now. But I have I, I can probably give you stats for Keene. Okay, there uh, you Because go. I did it at Keene more than once, right? Wait, you went from Keene um, to Gillies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. That's a real drive. Yeah. It was, it's, it's actually only two hours, right? Yeah. It's, but it's, there's no highways, right? There's no highways. It's all two lanes. It's all Peterborough. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's a long drive, but yeah. Wow. Your memory is unbelievable, dude. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's scary. What's a worst offense, uh, using illegal parts in an F1 car or doping before the Tour de France? Oh, it's, I think it's doping because it goes back to the uh, uh, look. Everything about sports and competition is about getting an advantage, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, when you when you when you're a, when you're a football a soccer player and you dive, right? When you you know uh, when you dive and you're not really hurt, uh, when you pull a fake or something, all of that is like little advantages, right? Right. Um, so I think it's worse on the doping because again, back to what we talked about. Yeah, yeah. You know, it forces the young kids to, to eat. So if you want to be part of the team, if you want to be part of a team that's doping, the only way you can perform is if you don't. And you're not going to get on the good teams if you're not doping. And it just creates an environment that's not cool yep. for people who don't want to do it. So Yeah. No, I, that's that's sound logic. It sounds like F1, so a good buddy of mine went to see F1 in Montreal this summer. Loved it and had an amazing experience. And it sounds like there's one more year in Montreal and then it moves I think it moves to Vegas um, in 24. Yes. It might even be 23. I forget when they're moving. No, no, it's 24 because I got an email about tickets for, for 23. That, that is something that I would go. I don't like Vegas very much. I, I've been for business a million times, but I would go to Vegas to watch F1. I'd rather go to Montreal, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, you know, I tried to get, I was going to like, as I've gotten older, I've started to be like, you know what? We got to do experiences like that. By the way, that Liverpool game, that Liverpool Crystal Palace game. Yep. My buddy was like, "Hey, yeah, the tickets are like you know, uh, five hundred, right? It was pounds." So I'm like, "All right, that's really expensive, but that's but you know what? I, I may never go again, right?" Yeah, you're there. After the game, he's like, "He's like, hey, um, uh, can you can you send me that money? It's like five hundred. I'm like, well, wait, no, it's not two fifty. He's like, no, it's five hundred each. I'm like, oh, like, wow, I might not have gone, but." But I, as I've gotten older, I've been like, you know what? Experiences are important. So this year, I, I texted a friend of mine and said, "Hey, let's even get Paddock Club, which is kind of the the, the, the club seats there. You know, you get a yeah. I think you sit over the um, the pit uh, lane. I, I think there were like ten or twenty. The prices were so insane, ten or twenty thousand dollars. Holy moly! Because the the curse of Netflix is that now everybody wants to go. Right, demand's gone right. up, prices go up. Okay, which, you know. High class problem to have. So, in addition to being a, a sport, you, you call them boring sports or slow stories. Sports, I think that the, the sports you're into are actually just very European cool sports, but everyone can make their own decision there. But in addition to being a fan of those sports, you also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, you have one of the better tastes in music that I know. And you have for a long time, like going back to junior high and high school, you've always. You were never into the pop bullshit. You were always into the alternative, like the good music that no one else knew about. And I always appreciate that. So 
with that as a backdrop, and this is a tough question, I'll tell you right up front, uh, please give the studio audience and folks listening your Mount Rushmore of albums. And what I mean by that is Mount Rushmore, you know what it is. There's four pieces, right? So I want you to pick four albums that um, I know, and it's tough. I believe me, I know it's tough, but pick four and they can be, it can be for any reason. Um, but your Mount Rushmore of four albums. All right. So it is the albums part makes that so hard. Do that question. If you said artists, no problem. Right. Yep. Albums is like picking your kids, right? Like which ones you can keep. Right. 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 All right. So number one, and I've been listening to it a lot lately. Um, and it's like, as you know, we have a, a, a common friend, Mike Moulton. Yep. He is a, U2 fan from like before anybody knew who U2 I think he was 12 when he went to see U2 for the first time oh yeah a real fan a real real fan even to this day right Um, he like Unforgettable Fire is probably one of the best albums ever made right it's just end to end every song on it's incredible right so Unforgettable Fire is up there Mike will be really appreciative when he hears that one right I think oh I think the next one is probably um Enchanted and Enchanted by Pavement, oh, which is really hard to pick one of those. Yep. Um, I'm going to see Pavement in a couple of days, right? So nice. I'm really, really excited about that, right? Um, let's see. It would have to be REM next. And uh, Eric Klinger and I have spent the last six months debating REM albums okay. uh, on Facebook repeatedly. Um, I have to say it probably for, for like pure impact on me, it was Document. Okay. Um, because Document was the one that actually was the first REM album I listened to, believe it or not. James Barker Smith played it for me. I was like, I get this album. I went out, bought their back catalog. I fell completely in love with them. Yeah. So I'm going to go one, two, three on REM, though, because I think Document, my absolute, my absolute favorite is, um, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it now, <laughs> is the uh, Dead Letter Office, uh, which is like their B sides album yeah, that I yeah. just love, right? It's one of my favorites. And then, not pageant, but what the other one? Um, I can't think of it. It's got uh, Green Grow the Rushism, Drawing a Brain Cramp, but I've been, uh, but that album too. And then the fourth one, I can't think of the name of it. So I've been listening to it all. Is it Fables the Reconstruction? Fables. Oh, I love Fables. Fables, Fables, Fables. And then the fourth one, this is hard. This is so hard. I think it's, um, it's probably going to be Radiohead, right? Yeah. And the album, ugh, so hard because they're all so good probably okay computer yeah because that was the that was the one that that tipped it but i'll give you one extra one not to go up there but i'm going to give you an inside tip bonus um i i recently my my one of my daughters loves courtney barnett yeah she's Um, great oh and she was like hey uh, i saw courtney barnett was playing in chicago with another band that i like so i said to madeline do you want to go she said, sure, I went this year. I mean, if you don't listen to Courtney Barnett right now, that, that's like, that's, there's only one concert I've ever been to that's completely changed my mind about a band, right? Where I was like, eh, I don't want to go, but I went, because I went to see Pavement open for Radiohead. Yep. And when I when Radiohead came on, I was like, well, I guess I'll drink some beer and watch these guys. I was blown away. Never forget that concert. Wow, that's Courtney cool. Barnett, same thing. So, extra bonus. That, I love that. That's great. And all, I mean, I can't really argue with any of those choices. I think if I was going to pick an REM album, I'd have to go with Murmur just because it was so, when it came out, there was nothing. There was nothing like that. They were, they were truly unique and um, 
even now I can listen to that yeah. album and not get sick of any of the songs. Um, they're great. And, so Klinger and I, Klinger, yeah. Klinger has been backtracking on us, right? So I have this thing. As soon as like document, uh, no doc. Now what was after document? Green, right? Yep, yep. Green was their last okay album. That was. I don't remember yeah. listening to Green. And I never listened to anything after that ever. I've never listened to any REM. It's completely dead to me. And Klinger and I have been talking about that for like a year on on, on the internet. Yep. And all of a sudden, the other day, it's like, well, this album is pretty good. So, so Eric Klinger listens to this. He's really letting me down, and he's not a good person. <laughs> you know what? In an odd way, he is going to love to hear that just because you said his name. <laughs> that's, I know that's, we've been we've been arguing. We argue on the internet all the time. It's great. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap, uh, any final thoughts, wor- uh, words of wisdom on sports, games, music, big data, or any other topic? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Final thoughts on that. Uh, oh, I don't think I do. I think, you know, it's funny. I have all these stories, uh, but I don't think I have any. I, I, I think my final thoughts are I'm, I'm, I'm a super podcast nut. Um, and I'm really, really happy that you're doing this. I, I've been listening to your podcast. I have a lot of podcasts to listen to, but I would listen to you along and to see how, to see from the first couple of days to the production values that you come up to, it's really, really great. So I'm, I guess I'd say I, my last wisdom is I'm super honored because this is my first podcast appearance ever. Hey, yeah, I like that. So super honored to be here. That's cool, man. I appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm honored to have you on and, um, you know, you were you were gracious enough. You're a busy guy. You got kids. You got a life. You got things going on. So for you to carve out some time and and talk about some sports and tunes and whatever is awesome. And if you could see the studio audience now, you'd be so proud because they are giving you a standing ovation. They're doing the wave. They've got big, huge Liverpool flags. They're flying. Um, if I had, if I had a soundbite of the uh, "You'll Never Lock Walk Alone," I'd play it right now, but I don't have that. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to say thank you for coming on the post. show and uh, that's right. Exactly. I'll edit it in afterwards. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and hope everybody enjoyed the conversation and, uh, be well. Thanks, Scott. Ethan, thank you so much. Uh, very, very honored to be here. All right, man.